We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. Now, Brother Luis Daniel mentioned before, today is, I don't like the word Easter. I like the word resurrection. I like the word Passover. Because in Greek, as in Spanish, and Italian, and every other language except English and German, this holiday is known as Pascha or Pasqua. And it comes from the Hebrew Pesach. Passover, the Jewish people celebrated the first Passover in Egypt when there were slaves there. And the Lord sent Moses to deliver them. And uh, the angel of death, the Lord had told Moses to tell the people of Israel to put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the lintel of the door. And everywhere when the angel of death came down with the last plague to kill the firstborn, when he saw the blood, he passed over. And that's where the word comes from. So we remember in this at this time the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because he came down to deliver us not from Egypt not from the slavery of another nation or people but from the slavery of sin the slavery of Satan and he said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free and if the Son shall make you free you shall be free indeed now many people use that verse for any circumstance the Lord there in the context that is said, it's talking about freedom from sin, freedom from death, freedom from perdition, freedom from hell, freedom from Satan, freedom from this world system. And the day I accepted Christ as my Savior over 48 years ago, I found freedom. And I'm not a slave of any religion of any man, of any system, of any philosophy. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, but no man's slave. Amen? So this morning, uh, since my background, for those of you who don't know me, my background is Greek. Born in Greece, from a Greek family, raised in Argentina, and I am an American. But I have my Greek background. And today, people from Eastern Europe and their descendants, whether they are Greeks or Bulgarians or Arabs, Russians or Ukrainians, Serbians and Romanians and Ethiopians, and Coptics of Egypt, they celebrate Resurrection Sunday today. So that's why we sing all these beautiful resurrection hymns. But I remember as a little boy, I used to go to the Greek Orthodox Church, and though I was not born behind the pulpit, I was an altar boy as I went to Greek school. And uh, I remember the uh, resurrection services on a Sunday, and then for 40 days, the 
the theme of the Mass, because it was a Mass in the Greek Orthodox Church, it was always the resurrection. It's unfortunate that a lot of churches in our country, they celebrate the resurrection, <coughs> excuse me, of the Lord Jesus Christ just that one Sunday, and then they forget all about it. And even though I am not a big gung-ho of tradition, there's nothing wrong with tradition if it does not contradict the Word of God. Amen? So, some people go to the other extreme. So I think it's good to keep certain traditions to help us remember some very important events throughout the year. Now, this morning... We're going to go back to our message, though, because we left it for two or three Sundays. And I would like to resume the um, book of Genesis this morning. So I will ask you to open to chapter 3. Chapter 3 of the book of Genesis. And we're going to see today the reason why Jesus came down to this world to die on the cross. It was for this very issue that we're going to be talking about today. It's a word that a lot of people mock today, but it doesn't matter how much they mock it, it does not lose its power and its meaning. In this chapter of Genesis, chapter 3, we enter a new facet and truly a very sad one, a very disastrous and tragic one. We see here the account of man's fall, its consequences, and also we see for the first time on the scene another character entering who appears as an angel of light. And the Apostle Paul tells us that in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, he tells us that this character comes in as an angel of light. This is the tempter the author of sin and wickedness. Very sadly, man falls into this temptation and sells the little, the title, I should say, of the earth that God had entrusted him with. See, the Lord had given Adam the title of the earth. But in this chapter, he lost it because of sin. And uh, it is a true story. Some people think this is a myth. Nothing in the Bible is a myth. Everything the Bible says, it's true. Because it is the word of God. Some people think the Bible is a book written by men to tell us about God. That is not true. The Bible is God's word, his revelation, given to man so that we can know who he is. And yes, he used human authors to, uh, human, I should say, writers to write it. But no human is any author of the Bible. God is the author of the Bible. Amen? My professor at the seminary, he said, uh, man could not write the Bible if he would. And he would not write the Bible if he could. Okay, so when we think that it took 50, 1,500 years to write the Bible in three different languages by 40 different writers in different parts of the world, 
and to see the harmony that it has. Some people write one book and they contradict themselves, right? The Bible doesn't contradict itself anywhere. Some people say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Every time somebody tells me something like that, I say, okay, show me where and I'll eat. Not just the page, I'll eat the book. I haven't eaten any Bibles yet in my 48 years because they just say things that they hear from somebody else. They never try to prove it themselves or to study to find out. And everybody who does that seriously ends up getting saved. So here we see that it is a true story, and the New Testament mentions it and approves it. When the Lord Jesus Christ was on earth, being God in the flesh, he mentioned Adam and Eve, did he not? Obviously, not only he believed in that, but he created them. It's amazing how some things are so attacked by people in their ignorance. Adam and Eve is one of them. The other one is Jonah. How could Jonah live in the fish of the, uh, the belly, uh, in a fish's belly for three days and three nights? Listen, that's not impossible. There have been cases of people that were whalers that were uh, swallowed up by big fish and they survived. But even if that weren't the case, I would believe. Some people say, "Do you believe that uh, God?" What it says there, that the fish swallowed Jonah? Yeah, I do. And if the Bible had said that Jonah swallowed the fish, I would have believed it. Right? Because just because it is the word of God. The word of God does not lie. Uh, we see that the Apostle Paul in various uh, portions of Scripture uh, mentions, makes mention of this character that we talked about just now. For example, in 2 Corinthians 11, he says, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Some people say, oh, it's too easy. Well, believe it if it's too easy. First, you believe the easy thing, and if it is just too easy, then God will give you something more difficult to believe in. Do the easy things first, right? Also in First uh, Timothy, in chapter 2, he talks about this thing again. And he says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. And we know that that is exactly what Genesis chapter 3 tells us. Okay? As uh, says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death passed upon all men, so that all have sinned. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it true that everybody dies? Uh, we have a family here this, this morning, an Icarus family. They came up for her grandma's wake and funeral. She passed away last week. Gladys. Beaulieu was her last name. Thank you. And uh, she passed away, and it's always sad to uh, lose a loved one. I lost, I lost my mother six years ago, and I lost my father 37 years ago. And uh, we all have 
losses in our families because it is true that everybody dies. Why is it that we die? Just one simple reason. We're all sinners. And the wages of sin is death. Because of fallen nature, we die. So the Bible is true when it says that. As by one man, meaning Adam, sin entered into the world. We're going to see that here in chapter 3. Sin entered into the world. And so, he says, and with sin came what? Death. And so death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we know that that is true, because everybody dies. So we see that the, wor the world God created, first of all, was very good, we are told at the end of chapter 1. Then why is everything so wrong with man and with nature and the world as a whole? If what God created is very good, then why is everything so amiss? Okay? The explanation has puzzled philosophers and theologians throughout time. The answer to that question is found only in this chapter. Man was created perfect by God, created him in his image, and could not bring sin into the world on his own. Adam did not bring sin into the world on his own. He must have an external agent to persuade him and make him sin. And who is that external agent? Satan. Okay? So we read in the first verse of chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Notice that. That's how Satan works even today. What does he do? He plants doubt in man's heart. Do you really believe the Bible? My niece went to Uruguay with her husband just last week. And he was witnessing to his childhood friend. And he talked to him about reading the Bible. He opened his phone and he started reading the Bible. And his friend looked at him sarcastically. He said, the Bible? Who reads the Bible today? Well, I tell you who reads the Bible today. Wise people read the Bible today. Believing people read the Bible today. People who love God read the Bible today. It is the word of God. Huh? The tempter is the devil, Satan, that serpent of old, as we're told in Revelation. See, Satan is mentioned in the first book of the Bible, and he's mentioned in the last book of the Bible. He's called that serpent of old, that red dragon. Okay? As a traitor and tempted that he is, he put himself between God and man, separated the latter, and dragged him to sin and destruction. He is therefore a murderer and a liar from the beginning and the author of all misery. That's why the Lord said in John 8, 44, that Satan is the father of all lies and he's a murderer from the beginning. Why is he a murderer? Because through lies and sin killed man. When God created man, he created him to live forever. God did not create man to die. He created him to live forever. 
to have fellowship with him. But when sin came in, first he died spiritually, and eventually he died physically. So when you read in the Bible that Adam died at the age of 930, don't be surprised. God meant him to live forever. But he died because he sinned. And then everybody that was born after him, because everybody comes from Adam and Eve, they died. And if you read the Bible, you see that right before the flood, they lived a long time. And then after the flood, they begin to die younger and younger and younger. It is interesting to note that he chose to show himself through the serpent, which was the most beautiful and most cunning animal of all creation. And therefore, man would accept its message of deceit and lies. Now, obviously, the serpent was not back then the way it is now. And even if you look at the serpent today, I know that most of us don't like looking at serpents, even close by or far away or any other way. But if you really take time to look the design that some of them have, you know, it's just amazing. It must have been a beautiful animal. And Satan always tries to destroy what God created. God had created an immense number of angels to serve around his throne. The greatest of these was Lucifer. Okay? We are told that in Isaiah chapter 14 and in Ezekiel chapter 28. God told him he had been created and declared that he was perfect, just like all that he had created. But sometime after creation, Lucifer rebelled because his heart was lifted up in pride. He did not believe God's word because iniquity was found in him. You say, how could he be, have iniquity in him? Well, yeah, because God created all the beings alive, you know, man and angels in his image in the sense that they have a choice. They can, we can all choose one thing or another, can't we? Right? So did the angels. Some of them chose right, two-thirds of them chose the right thing, one-third of them chose the wrong thing, and they fell from heaven. Together with Satan. Okay? He fell from heaven like lightning. The Lord tells us that in Luke chapter, chapter 10, verse 18. He says, I saw Lucifer fall from heaven like lightning. How did, when did he do that? When he was lifted up in pride. And you read in Isaiah chapter 14, he said the famous five I wills. I will ascend to the highest part of the north. I will be sitting next to God. I will be like the most high. See, he wanted to be like God. He, wanted, he didn't want to be more than God. He just wanted to be equal to God. See, he wanted equal rights. Does it sound familiar? And you can have equal rights with another fellow man, but you cannot have equal rights with God because God is God and you and I <coughs> are men. It's like some people, you know, they think that kids, they think that they are at the same level with their parents. And I have to tell them time and again, listen, you and your parents are not on the same level. Your parents are your parents Always. Even if you become an old man, 
and your mother and father are still alive, you will always be their child. Amen? Independence is not freedom. Freedom is freedom. Independence is dependence on you. And your worst tyrant is yourself. So if you really want to be free, do the right thing. All right? Know your place and put God first in your life. Obey the word of God. He fell from heaven like lightning. And one day he will end up in the lake of fire, praise God. We can be uh, sure of that. Now then, we see how Lucifer became Satan. Some people say, why did God create Satan? God did not create Satan. He created Lucifer. Okay? He became Satan because of his pride, his sin. He chose the most cunning animal and the most beloved creation of God, and he tempted Eve coming to her when she was alone. It is important to know that the first thing he does, as it is his custom even today, is to put doubts in man's mind about God's integrity and his word. I mean, you really believe the Bible? And the Bible is so full of fables, so full of, full of tales. How can you be, oh, the Bible contradicts itself. How can you believe that? You need to believe in science. You need to believe in evolution. Well, I don't believe in evolution. I believe in creation. Amen? God doesn't need processes to create something. He creates everything instantly. And the science, I was reading that this morning in my devotions, if you read the Days of Praise, science so falsely called. The Apostle Paul says that in 1 Timothy. See, people who talk about science today, evolution and science, in one word, it's not. Okay? Evolution is not science. Evolution is a theory. And it cannot be proved because it cannot be observed. Science has to be observed either with a microscope or a telescope or the naked eye. And you cannot. Who was around for 50 billion years to see the changes? Only God was around, and he tells us that that was not so. See? Foolishness. That's why the Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools despise knowledge and understanding. And that's why it also says that the fool had said in his heart, there is no God. Okay? So here we see, he chose the most cunning animal, he chose God's most loved creation, man, and he tempted Eve and put doubts in her heart about God's integrity and his word. When God wrote his word, he was not confused, believe me, he knew what he was writing. God means what he says, and he says what he means. Never forget that. So if it says, thus saith the Lord, you can bank on it that thus saith the Lord. Everything the Bible tells us comes to pass. 
The lie from Satan is that, oh no, it's not going to happen to me. Oh yes, it will. Maybe not when you expect it, but it will. Okay? Because God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So we see that God has indeed said, he uses the name Elohim here, not Yahweh, because he knows nothing of God's grace. He knows nothing of God's fidelity. He uses Elohim, and he uses in Isaiah El Elyon, which has to do with power and might. All the, th all the, all the only thing Satan was interested in was power and might. He was not interested in taking care of man, feeding man, protecting man, protecting creation. He was not interested in that. He just wanted power. Like some people we know today, they want power. And they think they have it because they have money. And they can manipulate everything with their money. Huh? Or fame. Or they think they can, uh, you know, just uh, run over the whole world because they are famous. Because they have money. And they don't know that those are the very things that destroy people. Somebody said, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's why the Lord tells us to be humble. <laughs> Learn of me, he says, for I'm meek and lowly of heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. Because what was Satan's sin? Pride. But I know I am preaching to the choir here. Nobody here has a problem with pride. We're all so humble and so meek. Right? Sure. Did you know that of all the sacrifices in the Old Testament, there was only one sin that had no sacrifice for it? And it was the sin of pride. Because when you come to the Lord, you cannot come with pride. You've got to repent of your sin and come broken, humble before his throne. Because as long as you are proud, God will resist you. The Bible says that too. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And he's no respecter of persons. Okay? The word of God warns us in various places about the devil's attacks. For example, we see the example of the two Adams. The first Adam we see here in Genesis chapter 3. What happened with the first Adam? He failed. Because he fell into sin. But then we see the second Adam in Matthew chapter 4. The second Adam is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Satan tempted him, he did not fall. He defeated Satan. And how did the Lord Jesus defeat Satan? As God? No, he defeated him as man. Three temptations, three responses, three knockouts. It's like three times three is nine and one ten. The Lord won. That's, that's how quickly. And you know, he won for you and me. Because we can never and would never be able to do it.
because of sin. But he was perfect. He was perfect as a man. Okay? The Bible never says that Jesus became God. He always was God. The Bible says that he became man. Amen? Remember that. Satan begins using doubt as an invading agent. He did it with the Lord Jesus. He says, if you are the Son of God, that if is filled with venom because it's suggesting, well, there is a possibility that you're not the Son of God. Command that these stones be made bread. What does the Lord do? Start dialoguing with the devil? No, never dialogue with the de devil. You hear me? Never dialogue with the devil. It's a dead wood anyway. Get it? Die a log. <laughs> That's what Eve did. That was her mistake. The Lord did not dialogue with the devil. When the devil says, if you are the son of God, will the Lord make these stones to, uh, into bread? Since you're hungry after 40 days of not eating, not drinking. And the Lord says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Punch number one. Okay? And that's what we need to do when the devil tempts us. We need to know the word of God. We need to use the scriptures. The Lord Jesus Christ, as a Jew, used the book of Deuteronomy in that temptation three times. Doubt is the opposite of faith. And the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay? Then he takes the word of God, twists its meaning, and changes the words. That's why you got so many false religions in the world. Because every religion has a little bit of truth in it mixed with lies. And that's the biggest deception in the world. The truth, in order to be the truth, has to be the truth. With no lies or any twisting. The Bible says that the false prophets twist the scriptures to their own destruction. See, the Bible is like a two-edged sword, very sharp. If you don't know how to, you know, fence, and you use a two-edged sword, you're going to cut yourself. A lot of people do that. They don't know how to rightly divide the word of truth. So we have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. First of all, we need to have the Holy Spirit. And how do we have the Holy Spirit? By getting saved and trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We automatically have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to interpret the word of God because he wrote the word of God. All scripture is inspired by God, it says. All of it. Okay? Now, doubt is the opposite of faith. Then he takes the word of God, twists its meaning, and changes the words. And he says, shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Has God really said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? That's not what God said. God didn't say that. You read the account in Genesis chapter 2. He says, you shall eat of every tree in the garden except one. Right? He says, 
did he did he really say you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Hmm? You know who the first apostate was? Satan. Hmm? The first religionist? Satan. Because people who love the Lord don't have religion, they have relationship with the Lord. Yeah? The word of God cannot be attacked if it is not first misinterpreted and twisted. You can prove anything from the Bible if you take it out of context. And you heard me many times say this to you. A text out of context is a pretext. When you read the Bible, read the content that you're reading. Don't take verses here and there and say, oh, this means here, that means that. You know, No, 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 no. you got to take the whole counsel of God, what comes before and what comes after, and compare it with other portions of Scripture. The Bible interprets itself. And so we see here that just as the devil twists the word of God, so do his children, the false prophets, and the unbelievers, too, for they are inspired by him. The whole chapter of Second Peter, chapter 2, talks about false prophets. The book of Jude talks about false prophets. Okay? Now, let us be careful from giving ear to the devil and his evil purposes, and let us take refuge in Christ, in his cross, and in his word. This is our only refuge, and do not rationalize the word of God ever to suit your own purposes. You will suffer the bad consequences. Okay? You submit to the word of God. Never submit the word of God to you. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. And let me tell you this, we do not even walk by feelings because your feelings can deceive you. I feel this is right. Yeah, well, I got to trust my heart. Well, I don't trust my heart because it says that the heart is desperately wicked in Jeremiah 17. You can know it. Your heart can deceive you. And it will. Why? Because we have that inner Adamic nature in, the, in us still. Your only guide is not your heart. The guide is the word of Amen? That's the guide. So here we see that we must never rationalize the word of God. Now look at chapter 3, verse 2, verses 2 and 3. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Now, let us note certain uh, of Eve's uh, characteristics as she is tempted by Satan. Eve was equipped with everything necessary to resist, resist the satanic attack. She had no sin in her yet. Eve should have suspected the worst. Eve dialogued with the devil, a terrible mistake, as I mentioned to you before. And Eve fell in that mistake. Not Adam. Eve fell. She was deceived. And then 
later on in verse 6 of the chapter, we have the evidence of the fall. Now, Eve's response to the serpent, to the serpent's insinuations, was to assure him he was wrong. Now, let me tell you this. Either Satan already knew he was wrong, or he's such a deceiver, he deceives himself. But she had no need to explain to him that he was wrong. Don't try to explain to the devil that he's wrong, because he's going to trap you. You know why? He's wiser than you. Not because he's wiser, or I should say he's smarter than you. Not because he's wiser, but because he's older. He's been around a long time, and he knows every trick in the book. Of course he does. He's the author. Don't be naive. Okay? Eve's response to the serpent's insinuations was to assure him he was wrong, but even in trying to do this, she changes God's word herself, which proves that the doubt had begun to take its effect. Adding or taking away from God's word was the grave error of the false prophets throughout the centuries, and it is a great danger even today. You have religions who have commandments of men. They add things to the Bible. And you cannot add things to the Bible. The Bible says very clearly, the Lord says, anyone adds to my word, I will add to him the, the plagues written in this book. And if anyone takes away from my word, I will take his name out of the book of life. It's a serious thing. You don't tamper with the word of God. Okay? But God... Is very clear about it. He told the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 4.2, don't add to my commandments. These are given to you to obey. Don't add. Don't rationalize. In Proverbs 30 says, do not tamper with the word of God lest you be found to be a liar. And when man changes and twists the word of God, there remains no other recourse than divine judgment and destruction. Look at verse 4. Now, what is it that Eve added? Eve added something there. God never says, never said, do not touch the tree. He says, don't eat from it. She adds that. It's like almost like a resentment. Told us not to touch it, even touch it. He never said that. Careful, don't misquote the Bible. You'll be, you'll be uh, shooting yourself in the foot if you do that. See? Now look at verses uh, 4 and 5. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Ooh. God says, The day you do, you'll die. What does Satan say? You won't die. He's a liar. First lie ever entered into the world. That was it. For God knows that in the day uh, that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He's attacking God's character. God's integrity. Here is, we have registered the first lie. To lie means to contradict the truth. In this case, the word of God. Satan is the author of the lie, and by it, he murdered. He murdered the human race. 
And for this reason, the natural man is dead in trespasses and sins. That's why the Apostle Paul tells the Ephesian believers, we were all dead in trespasses and sins before we came to Christ. Even we were alive physically, we were dead spiritually. And we became alive spiritually the day we accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Okay? You will be like God, he says. It's the same temptation that had cast him down. He wanted to be like God, and he fell like lightning from heaven. So now he passes on that lie to man. And tells him the same lie that affected him. Now he wants man to fall. That appealed to his pride, didn't it? He does the same thing today as he did uh, with every human being as he did with Eve. He calls God a liar and spurns his deity and his love toward us. For this reason, we have the instructions in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, to take on, to put on the whole armor of God, that we may resist the fiery darts of the devil. Okay. The New Testament puts a seal of approval on this narrative. Satan's typical characteristic is that in order to be more efficient, he always mixes lies with a little bit of truth and thus hiding his diabolical schemes. God and his word is all true and only true. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. And then in John 17, <clears throat> the high priestly prayer in the garden, he says, Father, sanctify these with thy truth. Thy word is Somebody asks you the question, what is truth? Jesus is truth, and his word is truth. I'm not finished, but I'm going to stop. I don't want to choke you with too much. But this is the Bible, the word of God. And this chapter is the only record in the world where we have the story of the whole of man. Everything else is myth. Everything else is supposition or is playing down unbelief. Okay? Can we bank on the word of God? Yes? No? Maybe? You better believe it. It is the only reliable source that we have. And you may ask, why didn't God give us more? Why? He gave us enough. But we have a hard time reading what he gave us already. So why do you want more? Don't we have enough? God gives us in his infinite wisdom enough for us to know the things he wants us to know. Some people come and say, is there life in another planet? What do you care? Don't we have enough problems in this planet? Leave the others alone. We don't want to be, you know, go there and mess them up. We got enough problems here. Why doesn't God say something? He did. 1196, so many chapters the Bible has. How many more chapters do you need? 
Why don't you listen to what he has said already? All you have to do is open the Bible. How do I know that the Bible is God's word? The same way you know a lion is a lion. Just open the cage. So many arguments. Okay? All those are excuses. Because man doesn't want to come to God. Why? Because he doesn't want to be found out. His sin, but remember this, your sin will find you out. You can hide under a rock. You can go into the deepest part of the sea. And your sin will find you out. The Lord says there's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. So why don't you come to the light now? He is the light. And whatever is there, you know the wonderful thing about it all is that he's willing and able to forgive. If you confess. Amen? So be honest with yourself. Be honest with one another. And be honest with God. I know pride doesn't let us many times, but you know what? If we begin doing that, saying, I am wrong, or this area of my life is not right, I need to improve this other area of my life. Don't you know God knows that already? So what are you hiding from? Yourself? Others? Who cares what others believe or what others say? Everyone has an opinion, and opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. Don't worry about opinions. Worry about what God says. Because after all, when the, the end of your life comes, you're going to have to stand before God and give him an account of your life, not us. Amen? Let us pray. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons. We thank you for listening to this message and pray that the word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.